Amen. I come here today to get you in the pool. You may not know what I'm saying, but I come here to get you in the pool. Because as, as I was praying and believing God for this service, I saw people who were right at the edge. Come on now. The edge, not the edge of going the wrong way, but the edge of a breakthrough. The edge of a turnaround. Come on now. The edge of a change. You're right on the edge of seeing God do something that he has not done before. You're right at the edge of been sowing seed and believing God and you've been praying strong. And you know what? And you're just saying, I'm right here, God. But something always seems to show up. You move two step, one step forward, but you've taken two back. Something seems to show up to keep you from going over the edge. Maybe a bill showed up that you didn't anticipate. Maybe somebody sold you out. Maybe somebody was sneak dissing behind you. Come on now, are you here? Maybe they were snaking on you this year and you didn't realize it. But this is the year that I'm calling you get 2020 vision. Come on now. I know Pastor Pruitt has been talking to you about this is the year of the mouth and having great vision this year. And we're going to talk about vision, but this is the year of 2020, that you're going to see things more clearly than you've ever seen them before. That God's going to reveal himself to you in a way that he has not revealed to you. Come on now. How many like walking out of the eye doctor office and saying, you got 2020? Yeah. That means everything is going right. You're going to see things clearly. You're going to see things coming. You won't just see things. You'll see things that are coming at you this year. Which means you're going to recognize stuff in 2020 that you didn't, you didn't recognize in 2019. Come on now. It was always there in front of you. God never hid it from you. You just didn't see it. Come on now. It's like, ladies, it's like that pair of earrings that you were looking for and you just walked away. I can't find them. But when you came back, boom, there they were. Come on now. Woo! We're going to be like the band was playing. We're going to get down on it. Come on, get down on it. Y'all knew what that song was, didn't you? Yeah, I'm old school, baby. I grew up when, when Cool and the Gang was up there, man. I was about to get down on it. Yeah, we go, get down on it. Yeah, baby. Woo. Yeah. Hallelujah. But I just see you're right on the cusp of getting what you came for this year. And this is going to be a year of breakthrough. This is going to be a year where God's going to break cycles. Go, go to John chapter 5, if you would, for me, that scripture. John chapter 5, verse 6. Because there was a man who was sitting by the edge of the pool. He was so close to getting in. He was so close to getting his turnaround. He was so close to seeing something new take place in his life. Come on now. So when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been there in that condition a long time. I'm here to tell you that God has seen you. He knows what's going on. He knows what's taking place. He knows who's the snake in your life. Come on now. He's new who's been going behind your back. He knows the trouble you, ain't nobody know the trouble I seen. Now you know why I don't sing at my church. But he knows where you're at and what you're going through. Sometimes we're th we think we're in this all alone. But you're not. He's got you. Touch somebody and say, he got you. Then he says, he said unto him, do you want to be made whole? And what I heard from the Spirit, he said, do you want the cycle to be broken? They may say, what cycle? 
Because here's the cycle he was in. He said, Jesus, every time I get close, there's no one to help me. Every time I get close, there's someone who beat me. Every time I get close, something happens where I don't get, oh, come on now. Every time I make that effort to get there, something seems to go wrong on my behalf. I see it happening for other people. Oh, you ain't never been there before. I see others getting a breakthrough. I see others getting a turnaround. I see, I see the waters being stirred. But for some reason, I'm caught in this cycle, and I can't seem to. Oh, I know I got help in this house. But we're here to break that cycle of what you've been going through. And I'm going to give you some issues, some keys here to break through this year. And one of them is you're going to have to write a vision that's different than you did before. If you haven't written it, you should be writing it. If you wrote it, you need to rewrite it for some of you guys. I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting till, till January 1st because the Hebrew calendar already started a week ago, man. God says I'm not waiting on what the earth's timetable is. I have my own table timetable for the vision that I have for you. You keep waiting on what the earth has, but I'm telling you, why don't you start waiting on what I have and what I'm going to reveal to you this year. See, there's folks, we write a vision out of two places. You write a vision either out of your information, what my eyes see, the bills that have come in, my current situation, my neighborhood, the folks in my life, the paycheck I get, come on now, people's perceptions of me, that's how I write that vision. But God says, I want you to write your vision this year out of the revelation that I give you. I want you to write it on how I see you, come on now. I see you having this. I see you possessing that. I see you going there. I see you being healed. I see a turnaround. I see you living beyond your present neighborhood. Don't get too close. I'm going to spit on somebody today. God sees you more than what you see yourself. God sees you possessing more than you see yourself possessing. So you got to write a vision based out of your revelation. See, your vision is designed to pull you, not push you. Are you hearing me? See, whatever excites you possesses the ability to pull you. Are you hearing me? Some of you found the right person because when you saw them, you got excited. And they pulled you in. Come on now. They didn't have to push you, did they? No, you got pulled into that situation because it excited you. And this year, God is giving you a vision that's going to excite you. See, when you have a compelling vision, it pulls you out of bed. It pulls you out of procrastination. It pulls you out of loneliness. It pulls you out of depression. Come on, are you hearing me? It pulls you out of debt. It pulls you out of the situations that have been causing the cycles to happen in your life. Tell somebody I'm getting a new vision this year. Amen. You see, our minds, we either maximize or we minimize what God has for us. 
When you look at certain situations, some of you, you maximize something that's really nothing and you minimize something that God has said this is what's supposed to happen. Because you're looking out of information. That means what you see in the earth's realm. I'm learning that this year i got to maximize every opportunity. Come on now. I'm not going to maximize what the devil brings at me because in every problem there is a solution. Come on now. And in every problem there is an opportunity to do something totally different and change my life. Amen. Mm. Go over to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, please. Amen. I'm telling you, God is taking us somewhere this year. Not that he has it in the past, but I'm just seeing better this year. Amen. We got it? Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, tell somebody, I'm a new man. Amen. Keep seeking the things that are above. He said, stop looking at stuff that's eye level. I have found out, and I really got to notice it when I had small kids. When you go to the grocery store and you get in line, where is all the candy? At eye level for them little bitty kids. Because they're trying to get you to buy something else from them on the way out. And they're using your kids to pull on you. And then you get in line and you're bored because it's a long line. What do you start reading? The Inquirer, The Globe. Oh, come on now, all the mag. Oh, let me put this. Let me take this home because I didn't finish the article here. Oh, come on now. And see, the world is good at getting you to look at eye level. But God says, I don't want you looking at eye level this year. I want you looking above because I got more for you. I've set things on a level that the devil can't get to, but I set them on your level because you, by faith, can take those things. Tell somebody, stop looking at eye level. Man, your dreams are at eye level, just what you can see. Your hopes are on eye level. Come on now. You've got to start looking above. That's where he said, I want you to look up. Tell somebody, say, look up this year. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. See, he took a seat because everything was already set in motion. When a king sits down, that means everything's good. But when a king stands up, he says, I got problems. But Jesus said, when I went to the cross, baby, I took care of it all, and now I'm going to sit down. Because it's already been taken care of. Anything that you got going on, God said, I took care of it. Any dream you have, I took care of it. Any hope you had, I took care of it. The vision you're going to write this year, I took care of it. Set your mind and keep focused habitually. Oh, man, tell someone, break the cycle. Break the cycle habitually on the things that are above, the heavenly things, not the things that are on eye level, which have temporal value. He said, I want you to break the cycle of the eye level candy and start going after what I got for you. Because whatever he has will last. Whatever he has is what you need. Come on now. Sometimes when me and my wife go shopping, she goes, well, that was quick. I went in to get what I needed, not to look at everything else is in there. Come on now. I went because I knew what I wanted. Amen. When I came to church and I found here, I didn't go talking to other girls. I knew what I found, and I got what I wanted, and I walked out. Amen. It may have been a little like a caveman, but I said, you, come here. You're mine now. Let's go. Hallelujah. See, you have to learn to develop a mindset. Say mindset. 
a mindset. Your mind has got to be set on what he has for you, not set on what the world wants to give you. Too many of us settle for what the world has instead of getting my mindset on what I want, what I desire. He gives us the desires of our heart. He supplies all of our needs, but he also cares about what you want. I've had people get, get angry at me because you can't pray for things, for things. Yes, I can pray for things. He's given us all things, say things, that pertain to life and godliness. No, that's not right. I said, yes, it is. I said, why do you pray for a better job? To make more money, right? So that what you can do with your money? Buy more things. I said, so stop being a phony on me, Joe. He a phony. He don't want to pray to God for things, but he prays for a better job so he can get more money so he can buy things. Man. Hey, look, I didn't slap him. Amen. Number two, if you're going to be writing a higher vision, you're going to have to get your mind in shape. Amen. Romans 7, verse 25. And this one really stunned me because it gave me a perspective on something I had done a long time ago. And Paul says, thanks be to God for my deliverance. Mm, say, God, thank you for delivering me because my life was a wreck. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on the one hand, myself, I myself with my mind serve the law of God. Some of y'all may have never seen this before. But on the other, with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. See, when I got saved, my mind did not get saved. That's why the Bible says you got to renew your mind. See, my spirit man got saved. My flesh man still wants to sin. Come on, anybody ever be pulled a little bit? I'll raise my hand because I do get pulled sometimes. Come on now. But my flesh here. But he said it's my mind that decides whether I'm going to serve God or whether I'm going to serve my flesh. See, that's why every, see, every behavior, I'm a teacher in high school. Every behavior is learned. You learn to behave the way you do. And we'll get into models a little bit later. But my mind determines whether I'm going to serve the law of God or the law of the flesh. Let me give you an example. Numerous years ago, I got a young daughter who I love dearly. She's 25 years old. Okay, and uh, she played basketball at University of New Mexico, scholarship, got a bachelor's, got a master's now, working at a job, making good money, probably more hours than she should be working. And, but how it started was, it's from another relationship. It's not from that woman right there. Because my other two kids didn't get to be as tall. <laughs> Let me go on this side of the pulpit right here. <laughs> Anyway, so what happened was I have my house, and I got a buddy who moved in with me, a close friend. He went through a divorce, and he was going through a rough time. So I said, come on, move in with me, man, so we help you out with finances because you know where a lot of his money had to go. And uh, so he moved in. And so I'm hanging out one night, and I get this phone call, you know, and I get that B call. You know, it's a B booty. Okay, some of y'all got lost over there say. I just want to give you a call. Did I offend somebody by making it plain in here today? I, I know Jeff, Pastor Jeff speaks the truth. Okay. Anyway, I, I got that booty call. And I'm going, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That conversation didn't last too long. Let me just put it that way. Click. But, you know, I'm like Fellow Express. I simply got to be there overnight. 
Some of you will get that tomorrow. <laughs> and so I get my shoes, my shirt, my stuff, and I'm going. And as I'm going, getting ready to go out the door, my buddy says, don't go, bro. He says, you don't need to go to that. Nothing good could come of that, man. That's not where you need to go. You don't, you know, and we're both believers now. We're both born again. We know it. But my mind took over. And it went to the side of the flesh. And when I walked out that door, a little bit later, a week later, I get a call. We're going to have a baby. And see, there's sometimes that when your mind decides it's going to do the work of the flesh, you're going to give birth to something that's in the flesh. Come on now. When you go, your mind begins to follow the flesh, you're going to give birth to things that were not scheduled by God at that particular time in your life. You're going to give birth to some things that God never said yes to, only you said next to. And when you give birth to things that God did not ordain in your life at that time, you're the one that's going to have to raise it and deal with it and work with it and make it live and sustain it and all those things. And sometimes some of us are in here today, you've given birth to some Ishmaels and now you're having some some situations to deal with, some circumstances that you got, some stuff that you have to deal with, and you're asking God to help you. But God said, I never told you to go over there. I, I, had, I had my spirit man tell you not to go. Don't do that. You don't need to be there. You're not going to give birth to what I gave you because I have a chosen seed for you. I have something that I ordained, but you're... Come on. But you know, God is so good that he makes all things, say all things, work together for our good. Now, it's taken some time, but me and my daughter's relationship is good. It's going to get better. Come on now. It was, it was non-existent for so long, but God has slowly, slowly been working things for my good. And again, he's changing them, but he's changing me even more. Come on now. See, when you learn to say yes to him, he begins to release what he has. Oh, come on now. See, in every brain there is a mind, and in every mind there's a belief system. And in each belief system is something called a shaper. All right? The shaper is based on previous experiences stories and agendas and patterns that have gone on in your life. All those experiences, all those stories, all those patterns, they have determined the course of your life. So whatever experiences that you've had to go through, they begin to shape your thinking. Whatever stories you had, come on now. Some of y'all watch stories still. I, I, just, I just feel that right now. Get off them stories. All right? Because when you walk out, I, I've seen it before where they're watching a story and all the argument is blaming on that person. They turn around, you're the problem. Where'd you get that from? From that story? But these stories that have gone, the agendas and the patterns that you have been to, the cycles that you've been going through, you're projecting them on the next relationship, on the next event, on the next opportunity, on the next open door that God has for you. Come on, and when you get rejected enough times, when a door finally does open, you say, oh, that's not for me. Why? Because you've been rejected enough times. You're like that elephant with the rope. When they get a rope on the ankle when it's real small and they lock him up and the elephant tries and tries till it's totally exhausted. 
and it lays down. Then it gets up the next day and it tries and it tries and it tries, but it can't go anywhere. Finally, when they get to be an adult, they don't even tie the rope. They just put it on its ankle and it stays there. Why? Because the past has told them, no matter how hard I try, nothing's going to happen. I can't get loose. I can't get free. I can't get where I want to go. I'm tied to this post right here. And you have that many patterns in your life, you stop trying when God opens a door for you or begins to turn things around or create a break- breakthrough, and you sabotage it because of the cycles. See, what you say yes to in your mind, you say yes to in time. You may want to write that down. What you say yes to in your mind, you will say yes to in time. Our lives are not a culmination of what we have said no to, but what we have said yes to. There are some things that you said yes to that God said, why? That's not in my will for you. That's not part of the plan. That's not part of the purpose I have for you. Why did you say yes to that? Is there anybody in here, your back saying, you know, why did I say yes to that? Why did I agree to that? Why didn't I just say no this time? Amen? See, our mind has two abilities. Ready? To remember and to imagine. Think about it. You're either thinking in the past or you're thinking in the future. Some of you right now thinking what you ate yesterday, but what am I going to get to lunch today? Come on now. Breakfast was good, but lunch is going to be better today. Amen. Come on now. And so when you write your vision this year, are you going to write it out of your past or out of your imagination? When you begin to decree your future, are you going to decree it out of your past or out of your future? Are you going to be writing this thing based on the hurts? On the abuses, come on now, on the closed doors, on the things that didn't go well, on the things that didn't turn around, on the people that hurt you, the people that left you, the people that snaked on you, come on now. Or are you going to write it out of your imagination about what God says you can do, what God says you can have, what God says you can become, what the Word of God has declared that is already yours. Are you going to write it out of that type of imagination for yourself this year? See, the choice is yours. God don't decide, you decide. I tell my students, I said, I said, you start, you keep blaming folks for you're not being here and not being there and not having that. You decided. Why are you blaming somebody? You decided. Well, let me go on. It got real quiet. I must have offended somebody then. See, when it goes quiet, then I know to change subjects. It's time to move on. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able. Mm. Somebody just shout, he's able. He's able. 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 That's all you got to know right now is he's able. And since he lives on the inside of you, that makes you able. Come on now. He lives in you. If he's able and he lives in you, that means you're able. To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in who? Us. There's a level of power and ability that is at work on the inside of you, but it comes when you're thinking on his level. When you're thinking out of your imagination, one translation says, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine. So if you can live out of your imagination and not your past, then you can have the exceeding and abundantly above working in your life. It doesn't say he does exceedingly abundantly above working out of your past. He said he does it out of your imagination and out of the thoughts that you have about yourself in the future. Come on now. 
Never base your life on the perceptions of what other people are thinking. Because they'll always make you less so that they can become more. Oh, did you hear me this morning? Sometimes you get with some folks, they have to put you down to lift themselves up, don't they? They got to talk bad about you so they feel good about themselves. They're going to talk bad about you, say you can't do this on a certain job so they can go apply for the job and hope you don't apply for the job. I don't know if you ever met some folks like that. Mm. Amen. The level of our asking is always in relationship to what we believe can happen in our lives. You won't write down what you can have if you don't believe you can have it. You won't declare it out of your mouth in 2020 if you don't believe you can have it. You won't pursue what you don't think you can get, will you? Oh, she's too fine, man. I can't go after that. She, she's going to tell me no. She's going to tell me I'm slow and I don't know how to dress, man. That's what my wife thought about me. She thought I was just too hot. She said, she talked to her girlfriend, I don't know, he's just too good looking. I don't know if I can get him. I mean, that's way above my pay grade. My daddy don't give me a salary high enough for him. She said, but I know a God. Come on. I know a God who can do exceeding, abundantly above, all that I can think. But if I can imagine that he's mine, if I can imagine that I got him, if I can imagine that. <laughs> Amen. Babe, I'm going to take you somewhere nice to eat later today. Don't worry about it, baby. I got you. See, she's waiting for her chance to preach so she can get me back. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 23, 7. And I know you get great word, and I know Pastor Prude has taught this word, Pastor Robin. And it says, for as he thinks in his heart, not in your mind, in your heart. Because when I fell in love with my, life, my wife, my mind didn't fall in love with her, my heart did. Amen. And when she had my heart, she had me. See how you make that up right now? <laughs> So y'all didn't know that, but I had to say that because some of y'all are just like, what's he talking about here? I, I, just, you got to make up, man. <laughs> For so is he. Eat and drink, says unto you, but, but his heart is with you. It's not with you. So but his heart is not with you. See, think is an action verb. Being is a state of being verb. The thoughts that I put into action create the state of being that I'm living in. You're living in a state right now based on the thoughts that you put into action. If you want to change your state, you got to change your thoughts, which change your actions. Because you can never operate outside of your greatest thought. Come on, you can only rise to the level of your greatest thought. So if you only think, well, you know, I can only make about $60,000 a year, you just capped yourself. Come on now. On my job, I make a certain amount of money, but in the vision I wrote, I said, I want to make more than $98,000 a year this year, Dad. And I confess that almost every single morning. Lord, I thank you that I make beyond $98,000 a year this, morning, this year. Come on now. And my wife goes, go, baby, go, baby, go, baby. Because I said, you know, I don't carry a wallet no more because I got, I got direct deposit. And since I got direct deposit, she has first access to it all the time. So she just tells me what I get to spend that week. She goes, here, baby, here's your lunch money this week. I said, dang, that's all I get this week? Amen. So what thoughts are you going to have this year that you're going to put into action? See, when I wrote my vision, I have some of it all the way till 2025. But when I read it on a daily basis, I review it to get it in my system. 
And I tell God, Lord, by faith and by grace and by wisdom and revelation, I receive that I can, I can have these things and do these things. But whatever is in your will, remove it. And whatever, whatever, is, I mean, whatever is not in your will, remove it and add in it whatever it is that your will and confirm so that I can do this. Amen. And then I have scriptures that I confess with it because I want his word attached to it. Right? Because he performs what? Not, what I, not my tears, not my crying, not my yelling, not my stomping. I can dance up a storm. He ain't responding, but he's responding to his word. Come on now. Hallelujah. Touch somebody and say, he's almost done. I know the mind can handle only what the seat can endure. Amen. When I see you rolling from one cheek to the next cheek, from the next cheek, next cheek, I'll say, it's time to go, man. They're rolling them cheeks out there now. Amen. Because that one side kind of goes numb, don't it? I've been, I kind of cross my legs, lean over on that one. But okay, when that one goes numb, then I come back to the other side, roll on that side. Amen. <laughs> it's either that or my wife goes, you're too long. I said, I got you, babe. Peter Sang, S-E-N-G-E, in his book, The Fifth Discipline, he has five disciplines that he said that we need to master in order to see personal mastery in our lives. And one of those is mental modeling. All right, do we have any teachers in here? Okay, good. Then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because in teaching, they talk about modeling. And our job is to model a particular exercise or model what we want them to understand and to be able to do. So it might be a visual aid. It might be writing something out, annotating, whatever the case may be. Show them how to pull information out. Show them how to recognize words in particular paragraph with the underlying bold italics. That's how you identify key words in a paragraph to understand what they're talking about, what they're focusing on. So we model those things first. And when we model them, now we expect the student to be able to replicate that. See, you can't reproduce what you don't produce. I'll say that again. You can't reproduce what you don't produce. Come on, yeah, I'm going to make a million dollars. Well, have you made a million dollars yet? Come on now. A lot of us know how to make 50,000, right? 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, 80,000, 80,000, going once, going three times. But we teach them how to model. See, the same thing happens in your life as you grow up. All behavior is learned. All behavior is learned. I teach in one of the highest crime areas in Chicago, probably the third highest. The cartel drops the drugs off in the Austin neighborhood. I've lost several basketball players being shot in the chest because they were in gangs. I've had kids come through and say, Coach, let me show you where the bullet went through my leg. I said, show me the bullet hole, man. But what have they been taught? What has been modeled for them? And a lot of them live on what I call survival mode. Grandma, auntie, mama. Not many dads. What are they all? Because they've got one income or a low income, they teach them, they model survival mode. And so as they get older and they begin to operate in their life, what has been modeled? Survival mode. So what do they model now? Survival mode. So what, can, what cycle begins to be perpetuated? Survival mode. They don't go for education because education is a long-term goal. Come on, high school, junior college two years. Another two years if you go on to a four-year university or four years. 
Come on now, are you saying before you finally get that piece of paper? Now, I'm not saying you got to go to college in order to be a success. There's exceptions to every rule. But it has been statistically said that a high school diploma will make this much, a junior college will make this much, and a four-year will make this much. It's proven already. But we, there are exceptions to the rule, and not everybody's supposed to go to college. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with going to a trade school to be a plumber, to be an electrician. Come on now. To drive certain trucks, to build buildings, to be a bricklayer. Those are all admirable positions. So I never discourage my students from that. But what is being modeled? Now let me tell you what mental modeling is. It's the assumptions, the stories, the methods which we carry in our minds. And they affect how we communicate with ourselves, other, others, and those that are in the world. So if I've been in an abusive marriage, and I'm a female, and I meet a man, what's my first problem? My model is he hits. He hits. You know what I'm saying? He hits. I got to get used to this. He hits or verbally abuses, so immediately my thinking on this next man in my life, will he hit me? Will he verbally abuse me? Come on now. If I'm a man, I had a wife who cheated on me. When I meet the next one, my thing is, is she going to cheat on me? Is she looking at other guys while we're in the restaurant? Is she talking? Is she flirting with other men while I'm here? See, that's the mental model that's ingrained in your head. And until you get new models, come on now, you're not going to be thinking very different. Until something new has been modeled in your life, you're going to be apprehensive, you're going to put everybody on check, or you're going to be put folks on blast, come on, or you're going to be overdoing your part somewhere. Mm. See, the reason that a lot of us operate the way we do the reason we write visions the way we do is because we have models that have limited thinking in our lives. They have limited goals and limited, limited achievements. So all they're going to tell you is give you limited information. I don't know about you, but when Jesus died and rose again, he took the limits off of our lives. Did he not? Jesus said it's finished. There's no more limit, limiting going on. He said it with him, all things, say all things. All things became possible, which means there's no more limits on you. The only limit you have is in your mind. But if you're not going to shape it differently, get different models, and begin to write a higher level of vision, and begin to think on things that are above, you'll always be in a limited state. You might want to write this one down. When I refused to accept where I was at, that's when I began to grow. When I refused to accept where I was at, that's when I began to grow. Let me tell you this last story. Uh, some of you may have heard this. My mother's Hispanic, one of six, the youngest. Father was down the block, father in another family, never took care of him. She never had a Christmas present, never had a birthday present growing up. Homeless three times with her and her family. But as she continued to grow up, it got in her system that this cycle was not going to continue into my children. She said, I vowed that my children would never have a Christmas without a present, never have a birthday without a present, and we would never be homeless. Now, there were several times when it looked like we might be homeless because my dad's Native American Indian. And when we used, they used to go look for apartments, when they saw my mother because she was Spanish, they said, no, we have nothing available for you. 
It had to get to the point where my dad had to go by himself because the moment they saw my Hispanic mom, they said, no, we have nothing for you. And they kept moving us north. We were south. We grew up in a lot of gang areas. And they kept moving us better neighborhoods, better neighborhoods. So one time we even moved across the street because it was north. As long as it was north, we were moving. But the, but the idea was we got to break a cycle. Because if I grow up in a gang territory, what are the odds of me becoming? In gangs. My life was built around sports, but we kept moving. So eventually it got to the point where my mom, my dad just had a high school diploma. They both had high school diplomas. And so my mom went back to school at 30. She said, I'm going to get a degree because working at where I'm working is not going to get it done. So she went there and got a degree. Then she went into teaching. Then she went to get a master's. Come on now. Then she went to go get towards a doctorate. Now she's a retired principal, and she has an income, a retirement income of over 100000 a year. Touch somebody and say, if she can do it, you can do it. Amen? But she said, I'm going to break a cycle here that started in my youth, and it's not going to the next generation of this family. So my job now, when I see that, my job is to continue to break the cycle. Keep it, keep, keep it broken, let's put it that way. So my kids have enjoyed more in their life than I was able to enjoy. They've gone on trips. They have cars. They've got things. They've had clothes and stuff that I never had before. And I would tell them, I said, we never got to go out to eat. You guys always go out to eat with us. I'm going to leave you at home so you get a chance to feel what I went through. But we all, they, they, they kind of take it for granted. We never, if we had pizza on Friday, that meant it was payday. And then the next morning, I had cold pizza with milk because we had no, we had no microwaves back then. That's how old I am. Anybody ever remember cold pizza and milk in the morning? Amen. I got some folk in here that know. So we continue to do that. So now I tell them, I said, your job now is when you guys have kids, that your kids better have better than what you had. See, as long as we keep the cycle of poverty and lack and insufficiency, come on now, broken, it'll never invade the next generation. But we got some folks say, well, it was good enough for me, it's good enough for you. Come on now. I grew up like that, so you have to grow up like that. I went through it, so you got to go through it like that. That wasn't Jesus' mode of operation. Come on now. He died so you could have. Come on now. He died so you could have better. He died so that you could have more. Come on now. But that's how we break cycles. You got to want to break the cycle now. Most of my family, my dad's gone because he died of diabetes, dementia, and a few other things. I don't have diabetes. Come on now. I'm 60 years old. I don't have diabetes. My family wears glasses. I don't wear glasses. I rebel against them. <laughs> I mean, I may need them for a little bit for close reading early in the morning before I have my coffee, but I don't wear glasses. And then I went to get my physical. I lied. Second story. And the doctor said, well, you're getting older. You need to have this shot and that shot. You know, and you had diabetes in your family. I said, stop, doc. I broke that cycle. Well, see, he's not a believer, so he don't understand it. But you're getting older, and you're fast. I said, stop, doc. I don't have it, and I ain't getting it, doc. 
I'm 60 already, Doc. I ain't getting it. Do you not hear me? Don't try to put something on me that was in my past because I'm living out of the imagination that I have that God has better. God can do more. I am an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. I have been washed clean. I've been made whole. I walk in rights, and I'm a new creature. I'm not that old man anymore.